if you are in a deal and it says it's a eight percent eight percent preferred return, that doesn't mean you get paid eight percent a year. That means you get the first eight percent of return per year. But if the deal, let's say the cash flow or cash distributed distributed is only three percent, the other five percent that wasn't paid out, that's going to accrue. Listen, everybody, we all know that real estate is the most proven way to build wealth. But why isn't everyone wealthy from real estate then? It's hard to know where to start. And most of the education out there is just complete trash. And you end up investing your money on a series of courses instead of in real estate. That's not how this podcast works. We give you the blueprint to successful real estate investing and bring on guests actually willing to share their secrets. I started my real estate investing journey as a freshman in college when I bought my first duplex and have been in the trenches doing deals ever since. And today, I now own hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. On this podcast, you will learn what you actually need to know to be a successful active or passive real estate investor. And we'll offer our takes on what's happening today so you can navigate this market and build wealth. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Brenneman Blueprint. All right. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Back with another episode here today and going to talk to something that's really been sort of on my mind recently and just really about fees. You know, this is for the really more for, let's say, the passive investor to learn about fees that sponsors people that are doing these real estate deals that you can invest in. What's what they charge, what's normal, what the fees even are for, or what they mean. If you say like, what's the acquisition fee? What does that even mean? I mean, so this really, this episode's best for, you know, say you're a passive investor who's in these deals, wants to learn more about really how things work and what's normal, what's not. And then, uh, I mean, it's also should be for sponsors too. I mean, let's figure out what sort of normal investing class and do that. So really without any like further ado, I mean like fees, like those are important, you know, where it's not really possible to charge no fees where really any investment manager in order for them to hire or retain the best talent or just afford even the technology that's needed, they're going to need to charge fees. So it's, it's important for LPs to understand that. And LPs are there's a term for limited partner, which is essentially like slang for who the people who invest in these deals passively. Uh, I think back in the um, in the the olden days, they used this the GPLP uh, legal entity, you know, or use a limited partnership legal entity where there's a GP and an LP, uh, but sort of the LLCs, limited liability companies, those uh, those replaced that essentially where everybody's in LLCs now as members, but the term GP and LP still stuck around. So for LPs, I mean, it's important for them to understand there need to be some fees, but also important to get a gauge on what's appropriate when it comes to fees. So, you know, really a lot of investment firms, they employ similar strategies. So the kind of the quality of the team and the technology really matters and that's paid for with fees. So, it's important to find a balance, let's say, between having uh, fees that are normal in market that are being used to build and support the company and then fees that are just egregious and they're just enriching essentially the sponsor, whether the deal goes well or not. So first fee to talk about is most common, let's say, thing you hear about and it's the acquisition fee. And actually kind of back up, I'll say there's like a there's a kind of a couple categories of fees, I'll say, like there's transaction fees. Those are charged when there's a transaction. So a buy 
or a sell of a property. Then there's ongoing management fees. So those are charged year to year as the properties, uh, running and being, uh, asset managed or property managed. And then there's the incentive fee, which is also referred to as a performance fee or a promote depending on just who's using, uh, you know, what terms here, but so acquisition fees, ongoing management fees, and then uh, the incentive fee. So those are really like the the buckets. And I think I said acquisition fee, I meant to say transaction uh, or transactional fees, ongoing management fees, and then, um, you know, your, your incentive fee or your promote are the real main buckets. So acquisition fee, that's definitely a normal fee you're going to see on really every deal. And, you know, usually that's between one and 2% of the purchase price. And most often the percentage amount uh, decreases as the purchase price increases. It's also dependent on how many other parties are involved in the the transaction or getting paid. So let's say um, typically like if it's a big deal, uh, let's say you're buying a $40 million property. I mean, a 1% fee is 400 grand. So that's, that's a lot of money. So then on uh, you know, that's, uh, you wouldn't expect it to be more than that on a property that size, but if the property is only, a million dollars charging 10,000 for the, the deal, it might not be enough. And then really more charging 2%, you know, on a deal that's, um, you know, a few million or 5 million bucks or something makes sense. So, um, and, and two, like, I think, uh, another way to think about it is how many, with how many parties are involved is if the, the GP, the sponsor, if they found the deal directly, potentially so they're doing let's say like the broker's job as well uh, they they should be paid a higher fee too so then if they're doing you know broker often they're getting paid two three percent on a deal so then if a sponsor normally a broker gets paid three percent and the uh the sponsor takes a one percent acquisition fee i mean there's four percent of fees getting paid out so if they found the deal on their own and they wanted to charge a two percent acquisition fee that would be you know normal in my opinion as well so, and then that fee that's paid at the time the property is acquired, usually it's right on the settlement statement. So, um, you know, if you wanted to ever verify in a deal that you're in, like how much was the acquisition fee, you know, just ask for the settlement statement. It should be right on there or for sure in the accounting for the, the partnership. So, uh, you know, some other fees you'll hear about, but they're, they're less common. Uh, so I, you know, it's okay if there's, you know, a couple of, you know, one of these fees maybe on a deal, but definitely not all of them, what I'm about to start listing. But I think it's important to just kind of explain them. Then at least if you see it, you know what it's for. So I guess the first fee that you might see, but is not super common to get paid to the sponsor is a debt placement fee. This is a fee paid for sourcing the debt and is typically between a half a percent and 1% of the total loan amount. So sometimes sponsors will have in-house capital markets teams responsible for sourcing the debt. And then that, you know, that's where they might make, make the argument like this, I'm doing the debt broker's job uh, and I should get this fee. But really most often this kind of fee, you're going to see it getting paid to a third party mortgage broker. And those mortgage brokers, they do add a lot of value. They understand the capital markets. They have relationships with different lenders and they can source the most favorable, favorable terms. So, and that's the, typically in that range, you know, where, uh, you know, one percent, 1% or less is what I think is most common for those, um, third party, uh, you know, equity and debt brokers to get paid. 
So, um, or I should say for the, for the debt piece, equity is usually a little different. And so another fee you might see is an equity placement fee. So, um, that's usually paid to an, an internal or external person or team who raises equity for the deal. So that's the down payment money, uh, like a fee for finding the investors. And, you know, if you see that usually, let's say market would be, you know, two or 3% of the equity raise. So, but this fee is going to be uncommon in syndications. So it's you, if you're an individual listening to this, this is not a fee you should expect to see in your deal. Really where you'll see it is if you're uh, finding, let's say one, one check investors, I call them where if they like your deal, they'll invest all the equity in it. And so you might use a, an equity broker for that. And a lot of these bigger brokerage shops like, like CBRE or uh, Northmark or Jones Lang LaSalle, like they have folks that work there and they raise debt and equity, but the equity they raise, they don't go to like individuals for 50,000 or a hundred thousand per person. They're, they're going to family offices and big groups that can put in like five or 10 or 20 million in a deal. And for those, like the fee, um, that would be normal would be in that two or 3% range. So if you find yourself somehow in a deal like that, that's what would be market for a fee. Um, loan guarantee fee would be the next fee you might see. I would say this fee is uncommon. Uh, like all the others I'm listing off now, you know, usually that's paid to the guarantor of a loan. And, you know, I've seen a wide range of these, you know, typically one to 3%, I'd say is market, uh, 1%, a one to three percent of the total loan amount and then i guess kind of how they decide within that percentage is how risky is it you know if you're buying a full apartment building and you see this fee i mean one percent would even be really high in that that's a safe deal a safe loan whereas if it's a new development construction deal that's the riskiest type of loan you could make the building's not even built yet there's a lot of moving pieces you know that that's going to be a higher fee so I think, uh, you know, typically though, sponsors and or GPs, whatever you want to call them, they're providing loan guarantees as part of why they're getting their promote or their incentive fee. You know, that's essentially a service that they're providing to the partnership that's buying the property. And that's why they're getting this additional profit share is for doing the work and taking on more risk than the other investors. This episode is brought to you by Brenneman Capital, the firm I started to help others invest in real estate. We invest in multifamily assets that meet our very strict criteria in locations positioned for the most growth. We use institutional quality investment models and processes and combine that with old school hustle to generate superior risk adjusted returns for our investors. Invest now or learn more at Brenneman.com. There are companies that provide loan guarantees. So, I mean, if you see someone in a deal using a, a third-party company that provides loan guarantees, I think their fees are still in line with that sort of three percent ish, you know, for the for that service, if you will. Uh, I guess if you do see that, though, I'd be a little worried about how good the sponsor is on that deal. Where if they need a company to guarantee their loans. Um, and they don't have any investors that would be willing to help them with that. And really they're just turning, they're turning to a company. I'd be, uh, I definitely ask about that. Like what, what's the deal? Um, not necessarily, not the end of the world, worst red flag, but just something to, to think about. You're definitely dealing with a sponsor that doesn't have a lot of financial wherewithal 
at that point or they're doing a deal that's just maybe they i guess if they do have a lot of financial wherewithal they're doing a deal still that's uh very large for them so uh another transactional fee that you this is probably i'd say the second most common fee but then i but i think you you should still not be paying it or seeing it and that's a disposition fee so some sponsors they charge a fee for being part of the sale of the building now they're not the broker selling it they're just charging a fee similar to like with the acquisition where there's a lot of front end work buying the property getting things set up and selling's a lot of work as well and that this is where they justify this fee at the same time, when a building sells, if the deal was successful, they're getting a their incentive fee. So it's just kind of to me like a double dipping, uh, you know, on the way out, if you will. So I would not, uh, I would not say this is a common fee. And but if you do see it, I think what I've seen is as a market fee is a half a percent to one percent of the sales price. So at least if you see it, you have a gauge on like what market is for that. And then another fee you might see at the time of a transaction would be if when you see a refinance happen. So similar to the debt placement fee, sponsors might try to, try to charge a fee when the property refinances or when they refinance the loan on the property, I should say. Again, not a super common fee, um, but if you do see it, I think uh, a quarter of a percent to 1% of the total loan amount for helping arranging that refinances market but you would never, you would never see a deal with all these fees for the transactions. I mean, this is just, I'm just trying to give you basically every fee you could ever see and what's like a normal range for them. But if you see, you know, an acquisition fee, a debt placement fee, a disposition fee, uh, a refinance, there's too many fees. Like the, the person running the deal is going to make a lot of money, even if the deal goes poorly. So I'd avoid anything see with that many fees, but I just, just to explain what they all could be, you know, for example, like on our deals, on all those fees I just mentioned, we only charge a acquisition fee, all these less common fees we're talking about. We don't, we don't charge. So ongoing management fees, like what you're going to most commonly see there are really just like three types of fees year to year are going to be the most common. And sometimes these are paid to the sponsor. Sometimes they're paid to another company like the property management company. So first most common fee you're going to see is an asset management fee. Next would be organizational costs. Uh, admin costs is what sometimes people refer to this fee as. And then the third one would be a property management fee. So what are these? So asset management fees, what that is, what those are, is those are fees that pay for the investment management investment management services. So typically those are charged as a percentage of the total equity that's invested, and that's an annual fee. Sometimes they're charged as a percentage of the effective gross income, but typically what I've saw is a half percent to one percent of total equity invested in a deal is a market for an asset management fee. If it's charged on the revenue, um, or the effective gross, let's say, I mean, typically what have I seen for that? You know, I'd say one or 2% would be market. And then on deals that are smaller too, you might see a higher fee. Like if it's a only a few million dollar property or something, a 2% asset management fee wouldn't be crazy to see. Cause that might be, you know, 10 grand a year or something when that gets eaten up pretty quick with some of the uh, work on having someone help run the deal. So, cause there's a lot of work on actually driving the business plan year to year and 
you're talking to the property manager weekly if you're doing a good or the property management company if you're doing a good job with the asset management you're pushing um the project along you're setting the rents you're you're really like setting the vision and executing it through the management company so asset management is really a huge piece of success in one of these deals and then for let's say the admin or organizational fees you might see it's this is usually not a, a lot of money um, and it's not a percentage like all these other ones so far this is just going to be there's going to be costs throughout the year for legal marketing technology investor relations renewing the llc uh, those types of things uh, fees really vary here but so i would just kind of use sort of your judgment on what would be normal you know if like a sponsor is trying to pass through like their entire cost of having an investor relations team or software on a single deal that doesn't make sense you know a lot of like the only cost we charge that are on this section would be if there's an actual legal bill for the property we charge that and then um two we have um you know you got to renew your llc or, L or llc's every year so there's a there's a cost for that but we just do that uh so we don't use an attorney for that and then so there'd just be like a renewal uh annual renewal fee on that so uh, and then la kind of most common fees from here, you know, are the ones that would be paid to typically to a property manager. So property management fee, those are for the day-to-day -day property management and operations of the property. You know, that ranges from two to five or even 6% of the collected gross income. So the effective gross income, it could go to the sponsor if they have an in-house property management team or it's paid to a third-party company like I'm talking about. Really, every deal is going to have those, uh, and really just a percentage uh, of what is this property management fee, what's that going to be, the actual cost. just depends on how hard the deal is to run and then how large it is. Just the easier the property is to operate, and the larger, the lower the percentage. So if you have a tough, older, smaller property, ex expect to see 5 6%. If you've got a nice, new, big Class A deal, uh then expect like two percent a year so um leasing fees or leasing commission i mean this is really common um on the commercial side and in some markets for residential where you need to hire somebody to lease your vacancies there's going to be a cost for that typically this is outsourced to third parties but if you ever see a leasing fee or commission let's say you're you're in an industrial deal and there's a fee paid i mean it's just like when you sell a house or anything like you pay a commission to your to your realtor this is similar where in these commercial properties they hire brokers to lease their space where the brokers are well networked and know what tenants are looking and what market rates are for everything and so then they um they can help you get the best deal for your space and get it rented quicker than just the average person could so they definitely earn their fees then sort of lastly on another fee you might see year to year is on a redevelopment deal or renovation deal or development deal, you could see a construction management fee. So these are going to be, um, usually it's the fee is based on the total costs. So let's say um, you're, you're buying a deal, you're a part of a deal where they're buying a property and they're going to do a renovation. They're charging the fee just on the renovation hard costs. And I'd say market for that is three to 10% of the total construction costs, you know, so that's going to be, uh, when would it be 3%, you know, when it would be on the lower end, that would be if let's say they're, 
it's a development deal and in, and an entire building is getting built you know so then that's the fees being charged in a much larger uh total hard cost number whereas if you're just doing an apartment renovation on a deal that you're uh they acquire it and they're going to renovate you know a handful of units i mean t- t- five to ten percent is definitely normal for that um because it's a lot of work to coordinate all that and the actual construction dollars is uh, as a percentage of the whole deal isn't really even that much so and now um really so then the last sort of fee to think about or know about is the incentive fee we most commonly people call us a promote so i think that's uh, i'll call that this is the promote the rest of the way hopefully here so you know a promote you know is really it's where the manager the investment manager the person running the deal the gp they receive a disproportionate share of the total profit relative to their initial investment if the deal outperforms certain return hurdles. So usually these return hurdles are defined with an IRR or equity multiple uh, after a preferred return that the limited partners must receive before this profit split starts. So uh, usually things are best explained with like an example, but I think kind of the most common uh like incentive fee structure that we see like day to day um you know let's say if it's on like the institutional one check uh value add space what's most common right now is a eight percent eight percent preferred return so uh and that doesn't need to be paid each year you know that's something else worth knowing like if you are in a deal and it says it's a eight percent eight percent preferred return that doesn't mean you get paid eight percent a year that means you get the first eight percent of return per year, but if the deal, let's say the cash flow or cash distributed distributed is only three percent, the other five percent that wasn't paid out, that's going to accrue. So then, then next year they need to pay the eight percent for that year, as well as pay off the balance that's accrued at some point. So then, uh, that's I think a key thing to know where if one deal has a higher preferred return or not doesn't necessarily mean that one's better than the other so it's just where a lot of it's going to come down to what's the actual return of the deal at the end uh, versus more what's the preferred return getting paid out because most typically in today's times like a lot of that's occurring anyways but in the institutional one check lp space you know eight percent preferred return then a return of capital and then just the split 80 20 thereafter so the lp would get 80 percent of the profits after that and then the gp gets 20 percent and then we have sort of the more of the syndication value add space. So really there, you know, this is now we're talking more individual investors. It's more work for the sponsor. Uh, deals are typically smaller. And what's most common there is still a 8% preferred return. Uh, I've seen some sponsors that do six, some that do as high as 10. Uh, but still, I think 8% is most common. Uh, again, but not not many deals pay 8% out per year on a current basis so a lot of that's accruing but eight percent preferred return then a return of capital and then the incentive fee gets starts getting paid and usually that's done in like a where there's different tiers so the first split is 80 percent to the limited partner 20 percent to the general partner until the deal's made a 12 percent irr and then the split changes to 70 percent to the lp and 30 percent to the gp until it hits a 15 IRR and then the splitting 50 50 is most common from there so again there's a lot of nuance there where if you're buying a really safe 
core type deal uh, where they're not as risky, I, I would expect to see a lower preferred return, you know, maybe 6%. Uh, and then similar uh, splits after the 6% to what I just said. But then if you're in a development deal, maybe the preferred return, it should be 10%. It's all going to be accrued anyways. There's no cash flow. Um, and it's a lot more risky. So I think then maybe the investors making 10% before the sponsor gets anything makes makes sense on those. So two, I think a couple other things too, where um, to, to know about with the preferred returns and just kind of those incentive fees. I think one, like you're going to want to ask or look, it does this, uh, the preferred return, does it compound if, if it's not paid? So you want it to accrue, but you also, ideally it would be uh, cumulative and compounding. So where, you know, if it's non-cumulative, I guess for to start with one thing at a time, uh, then it's not, it, if it doesn't get paid, it's you lose it. So you want to make sure it's a cumulative payout where if it wasn't paid in year one, it's going to pay in that, that's just going to accrue and be paid in year two. Then ideally, you'd also like it to compound. So if let's say you're not, uh, you're paid 3% year one, when you have an 8% preferred return, if it's non-compounding, then that 5% you weren't paid, it's just going to stay 5%. And until this, whenever it's paid, it could be paid five years from now. It's still going to be that same dollar amount. If it's compounding, that 5% not paid yet is going to keep growing at whatever that preferred return is. So then it would grow at 8% a year as well, or whatever is determined in the documents. So then the money you weren't paid yet is still making money. Um, so that's something to look out for. And then I think the last thing to touch on with, with, uh, incentive fees or waterfalls or whatever you want to call them is the term ketchup. So what that is, and I'm not talking about the ketchup you eat, this would be, uh, the, the term it's C A T C H U P. So catch up. And what that is, is let's say the goal, uh, and these are not that common, but actually could work really great for like a long-term hold. And I'm surprised more people don't use them to be honest. I think it just, it's, it sounds complicated when you explain it, but it's really not. So let's say the goal was between the GP and LP that they wanted to split 80, 20 at the end of the day is this is just, uh, we were want to split 80, 20. So you get 20% for doing the work and the, uh, investors, they get 80% of the profits. Let's say a way you would typically see that structured if they weren't just going to split 80, 20 straight up from day one, would be where there's going to still be a preferred return, then a return of capital. And then the catch up is there's going to be a disproportionate share of the money, usually 50% or even 100% for a, a period of time is going to get paid to the sponsor until they meet that uh, agreed upon uh, split. So let's say in this example, 80-20 on the whole deal. So what that might sound like if you're talking about it would be this deal has a 9% preferred return. Uh, then there's a return of capital to the investors. And then from there, there's a hundred percent catch up until we've split 80, 20 on the whole deal. So 9% preferred return cap, uh, capitals return to the people who put in the initial capital contributions. And then from there, a hundred percent is going to go to the sponsor until we've split 80, 20 on this whole deal. And then it stops being 100% to the sponsor and would go back to what that split is, 80-20. Then from there, they're going to split 80% to the LP, 20% to the GP. So really great structure long-term uh, for a long-term hold. Because one thing you really want to think about with any of these fees, 
is this is what are the incentives of everybody and a deal where there's a ton of fees, but maybe it has a really high preferred return or something uh, that might, you know, the high preferred return might sound great, but that sponsor is making so much in fees. Maybe that, I mean, they might, who knows how much they care about how well that deal goes. So, whereas if something, you know, if the deal was just split 80, 20 with a catch up in there or even not, and there were no fees, I mean, now you're entirely, the, the alignment of interest is great where you're both a, you're both look getting paid at the ex- only at the exact same times when the building makes money. Uh, at the same time, there's no fees. One person's the investor put in a bunch of money, but then the sponsor's getting a fee right away. Uh, so one thing to think about is with the what incentives are created with this, because the most common structure, you know, for the incentive fee is, uh, it, it, and let's say also there's a just to make the example more extreme here. And there's also a disposition fee. So you don't get your incentive fee until you've paid the preferred return, returned all the capital, and then you start getting a split. So in today's market, really the only way to do that is to sell the property. And so if you're in a deal where there's a disposition fee and the sponsor doesn't get paid till uh, there's a full return of capital and the prefs paid, well, all of the incentives are telling that sponsor like sell if you want to get paid. So they're going to hold the deal, you know, as long as they can. But if the sponsor needs money, maybe they'll be pushing to sell a deal that would have been better off holding and riding the wave or whatever thesis you had to buy it. Maybe it's still valid and this is still a great asset to own, but you might be selling it early because of the incentives you've created for that sponsor. So something to definitely think about with the with all fees whether they're the transactional ones the ongoing ones or the incentive fee think about what kind of uh, incentives those fees create and and maybe adjust your deal accordingly if you can so appreciate you joining today so happy to run through this with everybody something that's been uh, you know, especially if you're a passive investor or something where it's hard to get this information, um, you know, people, they, you know, it's, you have to look at a lot of deals to to understand it or really be sort of on the sponsor side to know what's normal, what's needed. So hopefully that was helpful. Uh, again, there's going to be fees on every deal because there's no way you're going to have a good company, good investment team if you're not charging any fees. That's um, as much of a recipe for disaster having no you know not enough of an incentive fee or transactional fee uh, that company is not going to be able to be around to support the deal you invested in there's going to be no money coming in or they're not going to have the team needed or the resources to run that deal well so there needs to be a, a balance for sure on what fees can be charged where there need to be uh, a reasonable amount of fees so the sponsor can have a have a good team to run the deal, but also it can't be egregious. So hopefully this was all helpful. I'm, I'm sure it was. So appreciate you joining it. And don't forget, check out our website, brennaman.com. Tons of stuff on there. Um, I think I also covered that in the outro. So I'll just let that speak for itself. So appreciate it. We'll see you. If you learned something from today's show, leave a review and hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy your podcast. Dive deeper into real estate investing on Brenneman Capital's website, Brenneman.com, where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Accredited investors can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the Invest Now button on our website. 
The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Brenneman Capital LLC and its subsidiaries. Views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. The speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.